Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Hello, Otterites. This is episode 161. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis sitting in the captain's chair. The choppers are incoming, guys. Let's you're, make it you're to the landing. You're in the pilot board. seat in the chopper. I'm in the pilot seat. Okay, that's right. Uh, Dangerous Dan. I thought that was one of the yes. that was one of the guys in there. Uh, Mash, the TV series in particular. We'll talk a little bit about the genesis and why it's not just the TV series. It was a little bit more than that. But ultimately, yeah, that's, that's nobody remembers the movie. nobody. No, that's that's it's just a little backstory. It is good. It, it is. Good. The movie was excellent. We'll talk a teensy bit about that. And the book series was okay. Actually, and it was a series of books, believe it or not. Just, not just the first one. Did Hooker Richard Hooker. Work? Richard Hooker did he write wrote, all of them? He did. Uh, I think he had some help on some of the later ones. He wrote, the first one was, was MASH, and then MASH Goes to Maine, which most, ironically, we, uh, after MASH was a thing, after the TV series ended, most of the book series was that stuff. It was these same goofy surgeons back in civilian life. Uh, only the first book was about the Korean War. But that's I didn't even know there were. Yeah, there were. Uh, I had several of them at one time uh, back in the day. Uh, they were moderate bestsellers. Right, but but he didn't make it a series of books until after it had been a success, a success on screen. Uh, no, uh, he wrote more of them after that. A lot of them were written after that with the same characters. But he had at least the first two were already written before, because uh, he sold the rights uh, and. Every author's dream. That's right. And the the movie got made. Uh, Robert Altman, in 1970, the movie MASH, which was based loosely on the first book. Uh, and it was with... It, it's really worth your watch if you haven't seen it, uh, folks, because it's it's actually a very, very good... It's hilarious in many ways. It also was not constrained by television, because it's rated R, baby. You know, Sally, Sally Kellerman gets... Uh, the recently passed Sally recently Kellerman, passed Cal- Sally Kellerman appears, shows appears her as... wonderful assets in the shower scene. Couldn't do yeah. that on television. No. Yeah. She uh, appears as uh, Margaret Hotlips Houlihan. That's correct. Chief uh, nurse of the... Of the 4077th MASH. Yeah. Most of it was the same. Um, the characters were not all. Uh, Tom Skerritt played a character in the movie Duke Forrest, who is a southern Georgia racist in many ways, who kind of brings that with him into that... That was deemed at the time not palatable for the right reason. Not that Tom Skerritt didn't do a good job with it, he did, but um, that was just one of the characters. They, they wrote him out. They, they decided they're yeah. not, we're not going to do any of that, whereas they kind of gave more uh, space to the v- nefarious, villainous, uh, frenemy character of uh, Frank Burns, uh, who was played by Robert Duvall, actually, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, who only The only thing he does is basically... Uh, he is a religious zealot who is hard to get along with, and he, as he says, he nails hot lips and they uh, punches Hawkeye when he uh, kind of jibes him about it and gets sent home for uh, uh, being insane. They put him away in a straitjacket. You see him te- turning away, and uh, uh, Tom Skerritt says, uh, "Fair is fair, uh, Colonel. Uh, if I nail hot lips and punch Hawkeye, can I go home too?" <laughs> so that's just one of those. Well, actually, they he and Hot right. Lips do have a the, thing the later. Film, the, the film, film is the film is almost unconnected. Like it's almost it's, like a series of vignettes. It, it very much but is. It is Hawkeye Pierce. That's correct. And Donald, who's Donald Sutherland? Donald Sutherland and Ellie Gould is Trapper John. Uh huh. Along with Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt, and then uh, again, Blake, uh, Colonel Lieutenant Colonel Henry Blake is the uh, boss. Roger Bowen is the actor. Uh, it's kind of a shame because, and not that he did a bad job with it. 
But that character would be so much more with McLean Stevenson yes. in the TV series. Yeah. It just it was almost like a side. He was almost a joke. Well, he was a joke, but it was yeah. it really didn't do that much. Work. Yeah. They had a whole football team scene at the end, which was a blast. Absolutely yeah. a blast. The it, movie it, it did okay. Yes, it did okay. Uh, and they wanted and to make Gary a Berghoff was still radar. Gary Berghoff yes. is the only one that the that only one, that, and that was his first role. Was in was and he played radar the the company clerk and and successfully trained. You know, made the transcendence over, you know, transference over uh, to the series. He's the only one that came over from that. Although most of the characters and the situation was pretty much the same. Although at the end of the movie, both Trapper and Hawkeye go home. Right. Which, I mean, the the, the the film series kind of starts everything over. Well, they again, wanted to make Frank Burns is there. You know, in the movie, he's he's sent home as a lunatic. Yep. You know, and, and they originally wanted to make a sequel to that movie based on Hooker's second book, Mash Goes to Maine, but it's back in Maine. It's it's back in the and they said that's not the story. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, you could do that. That's about these characters, and you know, hey, that's okay. That's not what we want. So that kind of fell to the side, and people saw, well, you know, why don't we make a TV series about this? And scared Larry Gelbart. Is uh, who was the yes Larry Gelbart's really the creator the guy who adapted the book slash film into a television right. show exactly uh, very little of Hooker's material makes it into the TV series yeah. and again it's it's a it's tough not meant sanitized. to be uh, and, and, and they and they, but they if if you read the books and you watch some of the early uh, episodes first couple three years uh, they're they're picking and you know they'll they have a little tweak here a little tweak yeah. there to something that happened there's a moment. Uh, they talk about it. They don't mention it in the movie, but they do mention it in the series about the deluge, which is they have an enormous amount. It seems like if you watch the show week to week, you constantly, every few episodes, you've got thousands of choppers coming in. It was, really wasn't like that. But there were times where they just wouldn't stop. And these guys, they talk about meatball surgery, and they're on their feet for hours. That really did happen. Yeah. Not yeah. often, but there it did is happen. A, there is a kernel of this that is real. It is... You know, Korea is that moment of, well, you know what? We've realized that if we can treat people sooner, yes, if we can treat people close to the point of the battle, we can save lives. That's right. And so that really was a thing to take the hospital and try to get it really, really close that's to right. the front. Mobile Army Surgical Hospital, that's what it means, and, and then that's you what combine it was. The, the relatively new thing of a helicopter yep. could really pick up people very close to the fighting and bring them to these uh, surgical hospitals to these, to these hospitals that were again constructed out of tents in the middle of nowhere yep um, so it is a you know it is a thing that hookers adapting because he was there I mean I, yeah, I, I, I mentioned that but he was a veteran I mean he this a lot of these stories are his stories yes they, they really did happen yes. he's adapting them into a really coherent narrative yeah yeah, but, but yeah, he is show, Hawkeye Pierce in yeah. many respects. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the show is 1972, though. That's right. Portraying 1950 to 53 in Korea, so yeah. it was clear after a while that this was a show set in Korea, but really about Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah. In fact, in in the finale, they talk about there's a uh, mention of Vien Bien Phu in Vietnam over the radio, and uh, the Jamie Jamie Farr. Deliberately says, you know, they say this is such and such in Vietnam, and he says to the camera, "So, w- where is Vietnam?" 
course, this is in 83, yeah. which, you know, by that time, the war's been over for not quite a decade, but close. Well, technically, the war was over for 10 years in 1970, from 73 was when we got out. Yeah, yeah. Now, we didn't leave the country until 75. Right. But the war was over for us. So, you're right. It's, there's a, there's a wink, wink, shake, shake that, you know, this is going on. It's going to happen all over again. Right. And, and it, it became it became an anti-war statement oh, yes, on was, a very conservative medium of television in the U.S. Yeah, it was very much. Uh, this is if you want to give it a flaw, uh, the one thing that Mash did, which it can't help but do, I get that, is that it was very much 1970s morals and uh, social commentary. So, yeah, on something that happened 20 years earlier uh, or more. Right, yeah, and there, you can see some of that. Uh, if you watch the series in there, its entirety, yeah, there's, there's a great change that goes along the yes. way. It uh, generally accepted it when, when it became, kind of Alan Alda became the creative force. Yeah. And it was, it was termed preachy. Yes, um, yes. But it, you're right, I mean, it is a, it is a, um, you know, a document of something that happened in 1950 in 52 with the sensibility and experience and hindsight of 1982 right it, it, which doesn't always work um, no but some of the much of the the you know the show, the show lasted 11 years which was a long time in the 70s i mean yes you've had gunsmoke that it, you know that was still on when it premiered uh, that well, ran 30 it, seasons. Even but to this six, point, 11 seasons of a sitcom is a lot That's of a correct. sitcom. It is. And they kept it fresh, ironically, because the cast would change. Uh, and that should have been the death knell. When you had your two, two of your main, three years, you got three years of pretty much essentially the same cast. And the yes. two of your three main characters... Decide they want to leave at right. the same time. Right. 1974, McLean Stevenson and Wayne, Wayne Rogers, Rogers decided to both leave the show. And at that time, you're right, that was thought of if, if the cast leaves, the show's dead. That's right. How so it really was a pioneering thing to, well, no, let's just replace them and keep going. That's right. We, yeah, with, we, we write the characters well, out. Who did it better. Yeah, <laughs> well, it, it proved it could be done. Yes. Uh, but it was right. very unusual on American television yeah. to change the cast but of a show. Yeah. In those first three years, we're still more of an ensemble cast. Yes, it was. Uh, I mean, it, yes, it did Alan Alda was become the Hawkeye show. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Alan Alda was still a star. He and if he had left, you're right. It may have had a different different thing yeah. that would have happened. However, yes. uh, they went and brought in uh, Harry well, Morgan. Oh, before, sorry. Before we talk about that, so. There are two distinct eras. So there is the the Blake era show, Henry yeah. Blake era, yeah. And then there's the Colonel Potter era. Yes, that's, yeah. So and they're not entirely two different shows, but in that transition, uh, the first three years are pretty much total comedy. Mm-hmm. It is comedy only. They and to a large degree, like a, almost a slapstick yes. style comedy. Yes, very much. Um, when they when they change it when, uh, in the last episode of the third season, yes. when Blake's plane goes down, mm-hmm. it is the first death of a major character, of a you know lead character, on any show. Mm-hmm. And they handle it right there on the show. Mm-hmm. And obviously they don't show him die because his plane goes down uh, over the over Sea the of ocean. Japan. Yeah. Uh, sea of Japan. 
And, you know, Radar comes in and makes the announcement. He's visibly shaken. Phenomenal acting in that scene. But that scene, from that point on, they became a dramedy. Yes. And they that's when they started dealing with more serious issues. Mm-hmm. Now, tra- poor Trapper John, he didn't get any kind of send-off. He just... He's just know, written out. Yeah, he, he just went home. In fact, he his he was there in that last episode, and the next episode for the next season, he, Hawkeye has gone to Japan, and he's just right. He's set, on leave. He's on leave, and boom, he's gone, and he comes back, and he's and you know, BG Honeycutt is there. Uh, well, no, 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 no. He had no. to pick up Honeycutt. He had to go. So That's what right. happens is uh, he gets back from his furlough like a couple hours after uh, uh, Trapper had to leave. It's like you got to go. Yeah. Your plane is leaving. You've got to leave now. So, uh, Radar and Hawkeye commandeer a jeep. Yeah. And they go after Trapper so that Hawkeye can say goodbye. Mm-hmm. It's his best friend. That's right. And so, they don't get there. His plane takes off before they get there. So, while they're there, they decide to pick, you know, they, they pick up uh, uh, yeah. Honeycutt, BJ. Yeah. Who is they, named after his father, or his mother, B, and his father, J. Yes, X. I was wondering if that was going to yes. come up. That's yes, right. Yeah. It was a, a brilliant scene. Because even though the storylines often got seriouser, they still had plenty of comedy. Oh, they did. They did. Just It was just, you know, it's almost two distinct shows in, in the approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, once those two guys left. And it's not because those two guys left. You know, it's like it was holding it back yeah. from, from, being, from being able to do serious. But... Once they did that serious scene at the end, they realized, oh, you know, maybe we can do more. We can do, we can stretch this a little bit. And so they they deliberately made the characters of, um, you know, Henry Blake and Sherman Potter very, very different. Yes. You did not make fun of Sherman Potter. No. Well, you did once. I mean, when they're doing the practical jokes and they put the the black stuff on the yeah, uh, the yeah. uh, binoculars, so oh he's yeah, got the, the rings around his eyes. Yeah, and he, he could be a figure of fun occasionally, like the time Frank gets in the tank and runs over the jeep, and he, and he's an old World War One cavalryman, so he pulls he out his pistol and shoots the jeep, you know, because yes. it's dead. So, but it, every but it once in a while, you see it was those. a very different way of doing comedy from what they did with Henry Blake. Henry Blake was everybody's favorite clown. But that's correct. Often well, a buffoon at times. Yes. Well, but, he, but that's he was, he was a, the lovable clown. That's right. Yes. Yeah, he was a colonel, just not you know. I mean, he wasn't a lifelong uh, career army guy, which doesn't make sense for him to be the colonel because yeah. of that. He would have just been one of the other doctors. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he just but, happened to be the guy that was there. Yeah. So you know, he was he was not army. I mean, he was obviously yeah. a colonel, but he was not army. I mean, he was yeah. always wearing his fishing hat. Yeah. And, you know, whereas Potter. He wore his uniform. Well, when Potter comes on that very that very first episode where he comes in and radar sunbathing there, he says, "You know, uh, we'd like to. You know, here, out here comes uh, full Colonel Sherman T. Potter, regular Army. God save us all." Which was intended to be, you know, and he, and he what, honks. What are we going to do about these? Uh, radar, that's right. He radar. honks the horn, and Radar tells him, "Shove that horn in your ear." And he looks up, and he's, and he's, you know, sitting there sunbathing, and he realizes, "Wake up, son! I'm Colonel Potter." Oh yes, sir. <laughs> permission, permission to cover my neck and entity, sir. You know, it's, it's, and that and it takes off from there, and it's uh, uh it was really, I mean, Clinger and uh, later after Radar leaves, which was its own thing, by the way. Yes. Uh, it, it got even more serious. I think that was every time they'd have a major cast change, things would go a little bit further. When Larry Linville leaves, all of a sudden you've got a and, right. He only stayed one more season. Yeah, and then you've got uh, 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 
Charles, Charles Emerson, Emerson Winchester, Winchester III, III, with his yeah. sister David Honoria. No, that's Honoria. Yes, that's right. Uh, David Ogden Stars, uh, who does not talk with that type of an accent. Mal, if you ever hear him, he's just no, a regular he's guy. Phenomenal, though. phenomenal actor. He really, really is. Uh, and he makes it his own. He becomes another antagonist, but it's totally different. And yeah. because they, it's an antagonist. Yeah, he instead of the psycho, basically the lunatic that. In, in a joke, Frank Burns, Burns is a joke. a joke. Yeah, you know he's a, he's. I don't belong here. I'm a real surgeon. That's right. Not and he not is like in many respects are. the best surgeon there. But he mm-hmm. he thinks so. That's for darn sure. Well, he thinks that's so, right. But... Uh, and at times he is, and at other times he realizes just how out of his depth he really is. I remember the episode you all probably do too, where he scratches his nose and Margaret Houlihan catches him at it. Yes, he touched and, his nose. He touched his nose. You touched your nose, and he refuses to refuses to do that. And I. I there's so many wonderful episodes that they had yeah. that if, uh, because it was Monday nights it, at 9 o'clock, it was must-see TV, long before the term was ever invented. Uh, and ironically, it was running in reruns while it's still on. Yes, it was. Because it was, it was around, you, you could watch it twice a day on Mondays yeah. uh, well, in the early days. That's, that's common. Yeah. You know, Big Bang was running... Uh, and reruns long before it finished. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, of course. Now that went twelve years. Right, and this is you know, but this was you no, know, you didn't do much of that. But every afternoon, you know, you're at, yeah. five, at five o'clock on, during the syndicated yeah. hour. You know, you're watching Mash. Yeah, and, and new know, episodes coming out uh, on Monday nights. So you know, one of the interesting things about Mash is it had the opportunity for uh, guest stars. Yes, but you know what? It wasn't a focus. Occasionally, you'd have somebody come through. But for the most part, you didn't have. I mean, just about any other show would have had big guest stars come through as one of the, you know, as a general or something, or one of the, the soldiers that they that they're treating. And there wasn't really a whole lot of that. Mm-hmm. No, no. Which is interesting because the show was made for that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and they didn't do it. This show stood entirely on the merits of the cast the and the writing, cast. obviously. They right. would have a few reoccurring guest stars. Alan Arbus uh, was in there as uh, Sydney. Yes, he was, like been, he was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. He was very, very good. And, and I cannot remember the actor's name who played Colonel Flagg. Who was, <laughs> oh, who was, yes. was, was you know funny. he was the you know the the, the tight ass. Yeah, well, he, he thought that there were communists everywhere, and That's right, yeah, yeah. he was the paranoid. Yeah, yeah. Every, every once in a while you get those throwbacks to the 50s to try yeah. to make it feel, oh yeah, that's right, we are in the 50s here, so that you get yeah. a little bit of that. Uh, they were very careful not to, uh, you know, they always mention, the, if they're talking about the president, they're talking about, you know, either Truman or Eisenhower and things like that. And uh, Yeah, you know, uh, talking about uh, uh, Potter, uh, that actor actually appeared in a season two or season three episode. He played a general. Yeah, yeah, Harry Morgan. Yeah, as a lunatic, he becomes uh, he yeah, comes in and uh, he, he goes nuts. And apparently, they had a good experience with the actor. Harry yeah, Morgan so is apparently the really nice guy. Yes, uh, and he really had a had a career revision of that. He had been in uh, Dragnet before and had done yes. a lot of few things, but uh, he was an older guy at the time. Uh, and Love much Harry more believable Morgan. as a colonel. Very much so. He 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 comes out. He's a very lovable guy. Uh, and uh, he, and particularly he and Klinger, in later episodes after Radar goes on, they have this back and forth between them all the time. And, uh, yes, because Klinger, he was you know scared to death of Potter at first because obviously Klinger's trying to get out of the army in a by wearing dresses. Yeah, which was, I mean, Jamie Farr made a shtick of it, and yeah. he did a very good job with it. Uh, it kind of haunted him in later in life uh, in many respects, but it was also just. 
just strange enough that he would get a lot of the interview shows because it was, what do you mean you're running around in a dress all the time? Right. Uh, and, and it's just, it, it, they change. They, of course, he, he does away with that in the later episodes and becomes actually a pretty sympathetic character. And Jimmy Farr is a great actor, but, you know, it's, that's just how the show evolved. Well, and that's the thing that, uh, where I want to go, uh, is that the reason it lasted 11 years is not because they started to become real preachy in, in mm-hmm. the later years. They did it because the characters had growth. That's right. You're exactly right. You know, Hawkeye, which was unheard of. Although at the time. really, Hawkeye didn't have a whole lot of growth because he was the the anchor, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, the only growth you might say that he had is that he and Hot Lips became semi friends. Although they did have that one dalliance out in the field. They did. That's right. And and they tried it. Realized it wouldn't work. But uh, they did it so well because it was. But their under- relationship was forever changed. It's not like they went back to the status quo. They began to respect each other. That's the right. And, began to respect and each other. And of course, that with Larry Linville departing, and next thing you know, uh, Margaret Houlihan has to actually be a character that's not defined as you know the sidekick of the, of the antagonist. Right. Uh, she actually, and of course, she gets engaged. Right at that time. Well, no, no she's engaged before. She gets married she, before Larry Linville leaves. Well, yeah, she gets engaged before he does. No, I think she gets married. And then he... Because uh, that's what the... Oh, it's when the, he gets, the breakup gets married. The breakup sends him over the edge. That's, yeah. The breakup sends him over the edge, exactly. And I want to say, I don't remember if it, she was married before, or and I think you're right, she did get married. And it's right after that is when he leaves. Yeah. Because he goes nuts. And gets sent home, and of course Hawkeye is just pissed because it goes back to that original movie in that <laughs> book. You know, uh, hey, if I punch Hot Lips and if I nail Hot Lips and punch Hawkeye, can I go home? Yeah. It's kind of that same thing. Yeah. Now, early on in the first couple of seasons, there was a black character, Spear Chucker Jones. Spear Chucker. That's, yes, that's I'm trying to remember that's, that's, what the racist over, name was. It, that they called it was him. And, carried over from the movie. Carry over from the movie. Yes. Uh, uh, and it was Fred Williamson played him. Uh, he was a good movie. actor. He's a fine actor, that's yeah. right. And I don't remember the actor, uh, Tim Brown, I think was his name, uh, who played him just for a few episodes in that first season. I don't yeah, think he, he, he was, was not, not there, there long, for very long. Yeah, it's, uh, obviously you never was get a, away with it. Well, yeah, it was a terrible racist stereotype. Although the, the actors and the characters took it in stride. Well, the name was, but, you know, they, and this is what is so often true, which I think is the best way to handle... Uh, these kinds of things. Even though the name was awful, mm-hmm. he was never treated no, differently. No. He was from anybody else. He was another surgeon, just like the rest of them. In fact, right. he was in the in the movie. He's he's a neurosurgeon. They bring him in because of that talent. He just happened to have played pro ball for a while, <laughs> which explained that one to me. How do yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but but they even they talk about why you have that name. He said, "Well, I used to throw the javelin." So they try to mitigate that. Terribly racist name. Because that was the idea when they, in the film, when they found out they were going to be in this football game and bet against this other. uh, uh, The Evac Hospital. Evac Hospital. uh, Which has like five times the manpower. Yeah, they had their own ringer, so they said, well, then we're going to request neurosurgeon Oliver Wendell. Oliver Harmon Jones. Oliver Harmon Jones. Also known as Spear Chucker. Chucker. Oh, he's a good ball player. That's right. Yeah, he used to play for the 49ers. Yeah, that's right. So, which is, uh, it's, it's kind of cool. It's really just a one-off, yeah. and they kind of brought it forward. But you're right. Yeah. There's not much of that otherwise. Right. Which, you know, realistically, I would prefer to see it handled that way because I think that goes farther towards normalizing uh, relations 
than anything else. Because if you keep making a big deal out of it, well, yes, it's important to not forget how bad things could be. Yeah. I think it's also important to show how good they could be. What's well, very true. A black neurosurgeon in 1952. Right. I know. mean, it's not impossible. And no, I'm no. sure there were some. But Well, I'm, and I think Spearchecker was created on a real character. Pretty sure he's in the books. Uh, and that's and that's Hooker bringing that forward. Right. But, you know, things like, uh, you know, we talked about in the last episode, uh, Deborah Messing for, uh, for a little bit mm-hmm. is a great follow-on for Lucille Ball. And we talked about, just mentioned she was on Will and Grace. And one of the things that helped normalize the acceptance of uh, homosexuals to be out and to be just, you know, yep, we are, we're here, big deal. And then to help move that needle on that spectrum was that show. It was, yes. Because they didn't make a big deal about the fact that Will was homosexual. He was a gay man. I mean, he, he they didn't hide it, but it was just part of the character. It was, and yes, he went on mm-hmm. dates. And of course, they had Jack, who was the stereotypical yeah. uh, but it, gay it, man. But the, the gags, the, the most of the humor, though, was not based on that. It was just based on the two of them getting along. Right. Now, with... Uh, Karen and Jack, that's probably the only stereotypical uh, gay, if you can call yeah. it stereotypical gay humor, uh, came up because Jack was very flamboyant and Karen, the, you know, the characters just fed off each other so well. They were a great pair comedic-wise. I, I, I do admit that, that. Just the two of them were very funny. But they treated it as just it's normal. And I think you see more of that nowadays when you have... Uh, what are considered marginalized groups. Uh, so you look at Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is probably the quintessential, let's make a point of every marginalized type of person possible and making them key figures in the show. So that, you know, there's not... So that's the majority of the characters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just make it as, well, this is just normal. They don't make a big deal about it. Although they do present... The romantic relationships pretty, uh, I don't want to say heavily, but I mean, you know, they don't hide that sort of thing. So, MASH dealing with the Spear Chucker character, even though it was brief, I think was a groundbreaking sort of thing. And it's too bad they didn't keep him as a character, because I think that was one of the great things about him, is that he was just one of the guys. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get to Archie Bunker and All in the Family... You know, race is still very much a part of that. Right. Whereas in Mash, it was not. And Mash, and they were was contemporary not. with each other. Yeah, that's right. And you know, it's it's interesting the the different approach, but uh, I, I like the way it was done there. Maybe that's unrealistic of me, just as unrealistic of the show to handle it that way. It was ahead of its time. That's for it sure. It was definitely ahead of its time. Um, but you know, they they covered a lot of things that way. You know, they did mental illness in the final episode. Very much so, and that's a. Uh, uh, that was a very powerful episode. It was, yeah, and uh, I, there's some things I didn't like about it, but honestly, well, that was a very disturbing event that caused Hawkeye's break. It was, it was very much so, and that was, and they were not, they did not shy away from shocking events. They've had those things before, uh, you know, where uh, people would, because because this is war, folks. Uh, characters would come and they would die, and you'd have guys dying on the operating table, and that was not uncommon. Right. Uh, matter of fact, one of the great episodes involved that so BJ 
and Father McCahey, which is another great character we had. We had not mentioned him yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and Hot Lips, Margaret, they're working on a guy who came in. Yeah. And it's Christmas. That's right. Oh, yeah. It's one of, they, they did several Christmas episodes. That's and, one of the best ones. You know, they find out, because, you know, they, they, they find a picture of the guy's family yeah. in his uniform. And they're trying to keep the guy alive because BJ doesn't want his this guy's kids to think of Christmas as the day their daddy died. Right. It was brilliant because they, they know they cannot save him. They know he will die. Right. But so they can work hard to prolong his life. Just to make the death date. Because it's, yeah, not, not on Christmas. the 26th. And, right. and, and, they, and they don't make it. They don't make it, yeah. So they end up Changing. moving the clock hand to 1205. That's right. And they make a big deal about, I've never falsified records before, as uh, Hot Lips says. And, you know, cause, all because they're trying to, to make it easier on those kids. That was a very good, well-acted episode. Very much so, yeah. Yes, yeah, another example of how it became a dramedy. Oh yeah, well there's the, there's and enough. all in the same episode. The drama and the comedy all happened in the same episode because you've got your a your a uh, uh, theme and your b theme, you know, stories that may be going on in given times here. There's another episode that's very powerful where they have a young man uh, that they catch uh, and they have to hold his. Uh, they only have so long before he bleeds out, so they literally have to hold physically hold his arteries shut until they can get the yes, thing. And they that. have a clock that goes on at the bottom of the screen. Because you think, we've got this much time before brain damage happens. We have to be able to get him from the landing pad into here and get this done. Well, all the while, I think it's BJ, but it might be Hawkeye, that's literally holding the guy's artery They're closed. going to do an arterial graft that's or something. Right. That, yeah, exactly. sorry. There's been a lot of, and there's also a, another very, very good episode that used some comedy for a dramatic theme of um, Southern Soldier comes in. Yeah, and he requests if he needs a blood transfusion Not from a black person. It has to be only white blood. Yeah. So when he's unconscious, they darken his skin with shoe polish. Yes. Yeah. And then that's I forgot about it. So they did treat and, that and tease him by saying, "Well, you're the one that requested watermelon and fried chicken." Right. You know, it, you you could you could get away with that now. That's that's yeah. just absolutely you know. Well, they, I, I don't know. They wouldn't do it now because I don't think there's as much of a need for that. Yeah. But. You're right. They they use comedy to handle a very uh, serious situation. Yeah. And I, honestly, I think you know they did that better than the normal stuff they did on uh, uh, All in the Family with Archie Bunker's uh, inherent yeah. discomfort. Yeah. Because uh, you know they, Archie also had to have a transfusion, and he he got it from a black woman, and uh, you know but they didn't do any comedy with that. Yeah. And. I almost think that the MASH version is more powerful because they show how ludicrous the man's position That's is. That's right. And they really, ridicule him very effectively. Yeah. Yes. Really, really show the pointlessness of that yeah. attitude. I've forgotten about that. So, you know, maybe that's a little bit of making up for getting rid of the, the Spirit Chucker Jones character. But, yeah, and, you know, that's some social commentary. And, you know, they never would have done that in the 50s. No, no, no. I mean, they, I mean, those doctors would have been, uh, they would have gone to Leavenworth if they'd actually done something like that. And it would have been very unethical to do anyways. But, yeah. but it's great comedy and great social commentary. Oh, yeah. And there was, there it was, was a well lot done. There, were, there was a lot of that from time to time. And you're right, towards the latter part, I think some of it, they, they got very preachy at times. 
but some of it was they were running out of steam. They were. That's, I mean, they did a three-year war in eleven years. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they and they you just kind of get that. Well, you know, when you when you have to resort to some of that, it doesn't. It, it lost a lot of the magic, and they realized, okay, we'll get another year out of it and call it a day. Or uh, there's a couple things we want to do. We got or how are we going to land this plane? Because they did. Yeah. They did think a long time. But you know, mash is it becomes such a I don't want to say a phenomenon, but it was so well known. Like I said, because by this time it's heavily into syndication, and everybody is showing it. So you know, it grew exponentially in many respects. Its fan base did uh, because you could see it more often. Yes, and especially when you see it every day instead of once a week, and you can see all of them. And you know, wow, this is really something. So in they, Michigan, whatever channel it has, Channel Fifty, I think it was, they were showing two episodes back to back every day. Oh yeah, that, exactly because it was inexpensive. They yeah. could do that. Uh, and it helped create this mystique. So by the time you decide to end it in '83, uh, they well, what are we going to do? So they come up with the uh, with the two hour finale, farewell, goodbye, farewell, and amen, where they actually leave, where the war ends. They flirted with that in a couple of episodes before. They thought it ended, but it didn't, and stuff like that. That was kind of early. Uh, and they gave each because you got two hours. They gave each character by the by this time are household names. Everybody knows yes. the characters in the. Uh, every one of them has their own sub story that goes through, and some of them are very life changing, and some of them yes. are dramatic, but not exceptionally. I mean, Father Mulcahy gets deafened by a uh, by an exploding shell, and uh, that's you know he, he, he that's just a something that happens to right. him. Klinger ends up staying. staying. Yeah, which is yes. well, there's an irony for you because he falls in love with a. Well, he's not because he falls in love with Sun Lee. He's he stays to help her find her parents. Or right. Her yes. Father. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it was so he's that. staying for that. And honestly, I don't know that the U.S. Army would have let him do that. He might have had to have come back on his own. Yeah. But, well, I mean, yeah. he ends up. They end up when they did the aftermath show. Yeah, he was on that. He was yeah. on that. Yeah. Though, so, so apparently, they found the father really quick and and went back to the U.S. Yeah, and uh, and some of them. Uh, uh, Margaret did not. I don't even recall what her her uh, story was in that. Of course, she she and Alan Alder were the only two characters. Uh, to now, no Klinger was Klinger, on the show. Yeah, but the he came time. in late though, and he was not a regular at first. Right there, he was, there he was were a four, guest player for a while. Yeah, there were years. four characters. They were part of the show the entire run. Yeah, Pierce and Houlihan are the only characters that were right, center. Yes, yeah, center. Yeah, there was stage star, characters. Star, yeah. had starring roles. Klinger and Mulcahy are occasional players. They're, they're bit players for come, the first two or three years. Yeah, and then, and then eventually then, they become right, stars. Yeah, yeah, but they're there from the beginning. Yeah, they are. And then they That's come right. in as regulars after, where, right. where, where Jamie Farr eventually would, you know, they, he would appear pretty much in every episode after Gary Right, well, yeah, because he took over the, the company clerk job yes. from, from Radar. Yeah. yeah, so you had a, a whole a lot of that. that they all had. Winchester's role was really. Uh, he, he creates a band, uh, a classical music band with uh, North Korean prisoners who get sent off, and then he ends up treating them dead. Sees them, he sees their corpses come back. Right uh, at the end, you know, but this man is not a fighter; he's a musician and that sort of thing. And it was, ironically, that was probably one of the least dramatic of what went on, and yet that's the one I remember the most. Uh, other than, of course, Hawkeye's. Of course, as, as the star, he gets the biggest role, and he goes crazy. Literally, goes uh, he has a mental breakdown uh, because of uh, well, really what we call now it would be a PTSD uh, very experience so. from, from what he believes he caused, which he kind of did when they figured out what happened. Right. Yeah. Because uh, exactly. you know you don't know 
Because you kept doing flashbacks to that time on the bus. Right, and you don't know exactly what happens. And it's very good storytelling because you don't... It is. You don't you know exactly what happens coming. until until uh, at one point he has the breakdown and he admits to uh, Alan Arbus, uh, Sydney, the, uh, the psychiatrist, no, I... Because I told that woman to quiet what I thought was a chicken, she smothered her baby. And he realized it because they were, you know, in danger of a North Korean patrol. And that's, it was it was well done. It was very well done. And yet, it also was perfectly concluded because BJ would not say goodbye. But he did it at the but end. But he did it at the of. end by making the stones saying you know, goodbye. And that's as, as they leave. So yeah. that, that let the audience say goodbye. Which was kind of the whole point, yeah. too, uh, to make that. Yeah, honestly, the the whole him going crazy thing, I didn't really care for that aspect of the. Never mind the story, because the, the thing with the baby that was very disturbing, but it was just so out of the ordinary. Well, they wanted. It's a, almost like doing the uh, the holodeck thing with the uh, uh, on the last episode of, of Enterprise. You know, it's just, this is just. Yeah. First of all, it was a TNG episode, really, but right. They yeah. uh, <coughs> well, they they wanted to do something shocking. Right. And that's that's what they kind of came up with. Eh, okay, I get that's what you want to do. Otherwise, it's got to be memorable. Otherwise, because it's not going to be just another episode. It's got right. to be different uh, in, in, in many ways. So uh, it was it was the most watched uh, scripted TV series uh, episode ever until like 2010. Something like just, that, I was yes. just looking it up. I don't know. I didn't get a chance of what beat it. Uh, but uh, it, it was powerful, and it was one of those things, especially when you're, you're talking just three networks at this time, the whole nation t- tuned in yeah. right, and watched that. Uh, and if you were not a regular viewer, you would have watched that. That's correct. And every, I mean, nobody, it was, it was bigger than the Super Bowls were at the time uh, because everybody watched it. And it was, yeah, it was something like 83 million people. That's right. And it was the whole family tuned in to watch that. Yeah. And, and I remember watching it. You yeah, know, and you have to everybody remember, watched it. Relative to the population of the country at the time, that was almost fully a third of all people, including children, mm-hmm. in the entire country, watched that show. So basically, you're talking about every adult. Yeah, practically every adult watched that show. I mean, obviously, there'd be some kids, you know, teenagers and what have you, and younger ones that are forced to watch it. Because back then, you probably only had one, if you're lucky, two televisions. Not one in every right. room like we did. And this now. was a, this was a Sunday night too, which was a primetime family viewing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, which they, they moved it to for that event because they that's when at this time in the late seventies early eighties that's when your event programming took place. Yeah. If you're going to have your mini series, Roots was the first, but there are others. Your premiere was Sunday night. Yeah. And by, by and if you hook them that night, you know you got them for the rest of the week. Uh, and that's kind of how a lot of that worked. And uh, the model worked pretty well because we still talk about this show. It's shown in syndication everywhere. Uh, so many of us can recall those those great moments. We just kind of laid out really everything that uh, that the show did, uh, and it still lasts. It still. Well, I don't think we laid out everything the show did. We, well, we well, barely I mean, scratched yeah, the uh, I mean, the 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 ch- cast changes and the movements well, from yes. year to year. That's what I'm talking about here. Uh, with regards to the individual episodes, you got a favorite, Jack guys, that we haven't already talked about. Uh, uh, Oh, oh, there's so many good so many. ones early on, especially because uh, I was not a fan of the Honeycut character all that much. Because uh, it seemed like when you add that to Hawkeye, then you just got two preachers. Um, but the there's so was, much that was funny and and really good in those first three seasons. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of a lot of people have come back to that is one of the golden ages of comedy. I think McLean Stevenson was 
he, and he admitted it himself, he was a fool to have left. <laughs> he really was, because he, his career, he went on to, tr- to headline several comedy shows after that uh, that all just kind of tanked. Right. Uh, they just, he, he was a good comedic actor, uh, and he, in the 70s, he was pretty well known, because, but it was Henry Blake that did it. He could yeah. never come back to that, yeah. and, which is a shame, because uh, like I say, he was a very good actor. Uh, and he, he always kicked himself after. He says, you know, I, I wish I have stayed. He should have stayed. He should have stayed on there. It would have been really good. Um, gosh, there was an episode, oh, of course, where they call Chicago to get ribs. Adam's ribs. Yes, Adam's, yes that's Adam's right. Ribs. That's, a real, that's one that's very memorable that, I, that most people, most fans of the show know, where they, they got ribs and coleslaw from Chicago, shipped <coughs> all the way to Korea. That's right. And they sit down just in time to eat it. Of course, the choppers come the in. The choppers come I never will forget, the, uh, the they're, they're getting ready to eat, and Hawkeye says something to praise the Lord pass the sauce. And I'm thinking, that's the quintessential short grace that you can use. And I, occasionally, that slips out uh, for me uh, that, I will, uh, that I will use from time to time. Yeah. I don't know that I can... Gosh, I don't know. Like, pick a favorite episode. The I guess one of the ones that stands out is the the Hawkeye Hot Lips uh, uh, mm-hmm. getting together episode when they are out there. It's a little kitschy and you know somewhat unbelievable, but you know it, I liked it because of the change in the characters uh, towards each other. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great growth of the characters. Um, I mean, gosh, there's just so many that were just so much fun. I didn't like. Uh, I didn't care for the the Charles character as much, but you know one of the interesting things about the characters on the shows, uh, on the show is that they did not have duplicates. You know, you said yeah. well, you just have two preachers when BJ come on, but you know what? That's not entirely true because BJ and Hawkeye are very different from each other. You know, Hawkeye is the 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 hound dog. Yeah, the clown, uh, the hound dog. Yeah. yeah, and he's the single guy. He's the guy that's trying desperately to get home, yet he's the one who stays there the entire war. Everybody else rotates home except him. Um, and whereas BJ, he's the family man. You know, he's got a wife and kids at home. Uh, Charles, of course, is the snooty surgeon. Uh, uh, yeah. In a way, Charles's character is more sustainable than the Frank Burns character. That's correct, because yeah. uh, Frank could never change. Yeah, uh, and uh, uh, and Larry Linder was a fine actor, uh, who he 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 could sense that Frank's never going to go anywhere. That's one of the reasons he left, and he never regretted his decision yeah. to do so. Well, once they separated him and Hot Lips, yeah, it was very difficult for him to be a good character. Yeah, and, because they yeah. worked better as a pair, and they had run the mileage out of that pair. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't know. No. That. I think they could have done more. They well, thought that they had. Let's they that they right ran there. the mileage out of the Frank Burns being a lunatic kind of character. I mean, that's yeah, he there's a reason he's written out so early in the film. You know, yeah. it's there's only so much you can do with this guy. Um, so anyway, Francis, here we've kept going, and uh, we we haven't let you be the captain, and, well, and call for a bourbon break. We have for to call us. for a bourbon break before we uh, before we wrap this oh. bad boy up. Oh jeez, I'm out. Oh my good. Well, mm. the bottle, well, the bottle, Mister Howard, it stands by us somewhere here. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, oh, you took all of them back over there, didn't you? Yeah, okay, there's, yeah. There's, well, uh, pour yourself a quick snort of something. Yeah, from while, the you, while you're pouring, we'll be a talking. Uh, what do you got, Martin? Uh, I poured one last little snort. Uh, Woodford Reserve. 
Oh, really? So I, yeah, so I've had uh, real variants here uh, while we record it here. It's well, yeah, and I've stuck with the wild turkey. Uh, and it's it's with the ice cubes this time again because uh, it moderates. That's that's a really it uh, it the bite does not. I'm uh, I know um, Robert's been trying to get me to to ice it up a little bit more. Uh, and and I see the value of that because it it it's uh it stays longer. It it doesn't it doesn't hit and get makes the flavor bloom. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it's not it, it because that implies more, and it's not more. It's moderate. No, I think it. I don't think it. To me, it doesn't imply more. It's just it's an enhanced, uh, more vivid, uh, fuller. Uh, I don't know that I'd say that, but. For me, anyway, it's more, uh, it's smoother. There's no doubt about that. It stays longer. Uh, and uh, it does not, it's it's able to be nuanced better. For me, like I say, and it's, everybody's uh, timing is different. What are you drinking there, Robert? I, I just got a little bit of the Woodford as well, because, uh, you know, just, just enough to have something in my uh, glass to, uh, to to finish off while we talk here. Cool. Because it's always good. And of course, because I got so so little of it, I did not put ice in it. So I'm actually having it neat this time. Well, yes, here as, here as well. I don't know. Woodford neat. Well, I'm, I'm stunned, gentlemen. You all, uh, here I am, the one that goes away. I, uh, well, since we poured so little, just yeah. Just if I poured a, a regular glass, I would put yeah. Bit, just a little quick, little quick snort in the Woodford neat. It's one of the few that doesn't really need it, but it does help it. But yeah, yeah it's 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 good even without it. Because uh, it, it's it's just top shelf stuff. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it's it's still still certainly one of the best. Wild turkey is, is very very good too. Mm. Uh, so let's wrap this up. Um, uh, where are final thoughts that you guys have? So oh. what's uh, Francis? You're probably the biggest fan of the show between the three of us. It has a other than just being long lasting though. It does have a pretty important spot in television history. It does. Again, it's it's one of the first where cast changing doesn't kill the show. It actually, it, it actually contributes to its longevity. Yeah, um, it's also the first that actually deals with war. You know, there were military shows before, but you know, you had Gummer Pyle, USMC, in the middle of the '60s, and the word Vietnam is never mentioned. That's right. Or if you go back earlier to that, like combat and things like that, it's a glorification. Yeah, there's none. Of, this is uh, the horrors of war. Well, now the Kale's Navy showed some little bit of competence, very, yeah. very minimal. Uh, Phil Silver show that was set in the U.S. Yeah, because um, that was uh, they're not Phil Silver show. Uh, Sergeant Bilko. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was called that. Um, it, well, he because he had a show as well as that, um, and you know there was never any that really showed it like this. That's With right. The death horror and, and the horror. horrors of war and uh, the realities of war. Um, now, and I'll, and this is kind of a rhetorical question, but how much do you think Vietnam contributed to that? Yeah, uh, a, a lot. lot. A lot. Has uh, to. You know, because it's more than just that, too. It's the, you know, the capriciousness of bureaucracy yes. plays a role in, in MASH uh, in a way it doesn't in other shows. Yeah. And, and and I think that's very much, uh, you know, that that Vietnam came to be seen as this thing we, you know, we can't stop. Uh, yeah. You know, this... this it was a mistake to be involved, and now the, how do we get out? And when we can't get out, we have to keep going. You know, the, it's trying to make a commentary about is that point of view valid? That you know, once you're there, you can't quit. 
And what also comments on, on war in general, because it, it's a very anti-war TV series in many ways. Yeah. Right. Uh, and uh, and it's, well, it's, you know, it's, it's like, why are we doing this at all? Yeah. Kind of comes across. That's kind I of the that, subtext, one of the subtexts. I think it's not so much that Vietnam influenced it as the fact that Vietnam was on everybody's TV screens every night. Yeah. And because of that, you couldn't do a McHale's Navy anymore. Because people Nobody had a sense yeah. of, yeah, this war stuff is pretty crappy. And there's ramifications. There's bad it, stuff that has right. to be dealt with. It's, and MASH dealt with that stuff. It did. Along with a lot of other things. But, you know, it didn't, you know, it wasn't all gore and anything. It wasn't, they didn't show battles. But they showed the after effect of them. <coughs> yeah, because there's plenty of blood. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's never gratuitous, but, you know, you, you see that the surgeons are covered in blood. Uh, from from because almost every episode, uh, they have a surgery scene. Yes, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's a constant it's a constant thread throughout there. Sometimes it's done for laughs, like with you know Charles Winchester touching his nose, and other times. And I, I never will forget this one of my favorite lines that uh, they uh, they're doing an interview uh, piece and they're talking to Father Mulcahy about you know what's moved you here, and he says, "Well, uh, I I'll never forget the time when it's very cold." And we're intense, and the surgeons are operating, and uh, they cut open a body. The surgeon will warm his hands over the heat that comes off, and he says, "I defy anyone to see that and not be moved." That's mm-hmm. kind of one of those moments smack you in the middle of the nose, saying, "Wow, this is some powerful stuff." Yeah, I remember stuff. that episode, the, that the interview episode. That they're, that they're talking about different things, and like I say, they could seamlessly. Switch back and forth between hilarious comedy. Yes, and Sydney was in that episode. Yeah, did because he talked about the people, you know, about the characters, talking about how they dealt with things and how he admired them. Yeah. That was one of the best Sydney episodes too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so many really those are fantastic. Uh, one another episode I didn't mention, but I do want to before we finish is uh, the dream episode. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Where they're in the middle of this is a, this is one of the later episodes where each character falls asleep and they have a dream. And it kind of exemplifies what they're going on with. And I don't remember yeah. all the different dreams, but I do remember... I Win- vaguely remember the episode. Winchester had one of them. Uh, and he's doing all these uh, magic tricks and people keep dying. And it's kind of like, I'm this great surgeon. What do you mean I can't fix you? And it's it, it, the beautiful symbolism that plays with that. There's very little, it, there's very little actual dialogue in the episode. It's all physical moments. Uh, and each player, you know, will fall asleep and they'll have a brief dream. And it's uh, at the end of it, they talk about, well, you know, maybe we should go get, now that it's over, let's go get some sleep. And Winchester says to sleep, perchance to dream from Hamlet. And everybody else says, eh, maybe, maybe I'll go get another cup of coffee. Yeah, that sort of yeah thing. I remember that part. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was, uh, uh, it, it's one of those powerful, that one's in your face, you know, serious moment. Mm-hmm. Right, and, right. Uh, and yet, Colin Mulcahy became one of the best characters on the show, uh, in my opinion. He, he did. Was, he came to his ascendancy later. He filled yes. in some voids when other folks left. Uh, but William Christopher, fantastic job. Fantastic yeah. job. I think he, he yeah, he was he was a great uh, example. You know, he just he played that mild mannered priest extremely well. Uh, and again, as as our great friend Marcus Aurelius says. Priests on TV and priests in real life, they are not the same. <laughs> <laughs> Father Mulcahy he did have the ability to, to get his dander up. Yes, he did. Uh, yes. Do you remember, and you might remember the episode when they spend all summer uh, growing corn 
in in there where they're at so they can have corn on the cob uh, to eat it, like back in uh, the days. And Igor, the cook, creams it. Yes. And in Father McKay, he just goes, what the hell is this? And he says, well, if that's the way you like it, you might as well just have it on the cob next time. You know, that's yeah, yeah. one of those moments. that. Uh, but you can kind of... They, the, it was written so well and delivered so well, you can just sense that absolute or angst. A similar episode where they got fresh eggs. Yes. And the cook made scrambled eggs. That's right, which was the, what they get powdered every day. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So, yeah, that was one of those. Which, you know, when you think about the kind of food that you get in the Army anyways, any, any fresh food is, is, you know, heaven. And then to do stuff like that to yeah. it is just... And, you, and you, had, you had various, you know, they actually had only very few uh, sets for right. this. Uh, you, you know, you had the swamp, which was the tent where uh, Hawkeye, BJ, and, uh, uh, and Winchester or uh, Frank Burns were. You had the colonel's office. You had and the operating room. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you would have another tent necessarily if you needed it. And Yeah, well, uh, yeah, you had Hot Lips tent. Uh, you had the shower. That's right. I forgot the shower. Uh, the shower there. You, yes. had, you, you had the dining room, you know, the tent. Dining the, tent. the mess tent. Mess hell, the mess the, tent. The mess tent, the mess that's tent. right. Yeah, yeah. That I forgot the shower. I forget, you're that exactly that right. usually figured pretty prominently in the mess yeah. tent. Yeah, it was a great episode where uh, BJ and Hawkeye, they go on strike and they don't bathe. Uh, one of my favorites. Absolutely. Yes. And so at one point point hawkeye says pardon my boarding house reach that's, and reaches across and uh, bj gets a whiff of it yeah that's right yeah and uh, you know just practically passes nobody out. else will stick around and finally they can't stand each other and he yes. goes pardon me pal but you reek and then yeah. hot lips god bless her takes everything matters of hand she brings out the fire hose and scrubs them down yes yeah that's right wave one and they go in and they hit it with the hose. Wave two comes in with the soap yes. and takes care of all this problem. And guys. the big brushes to do the scrubbing and what have you. Yeah, just there's a, in a way it's a lot like as we talked about in the last episode. So many great moments in I Love Lucy. Uh, this is similar in the sense that uh, even though they did run out of material uh, for for comedy and they started drifting into some more serious stuff, this cast. Especially the second cast, uh, as I said, I think it was almost as two different shows. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, was better suited for it. Oh yeah, and I think that the ability to to do those helped it stay on, on television because well, it wasn't just slapstick for eleven years. You, Nobody can do slapstick for eleven years and stay on. The t- it's just not going to work. That's right. And when they diversified the the characters with a little bit, because if you think about it, Blake. And Trapper and Hawkeye are all They're kind of similar. the same guys. Right, but that's what I was talking about. You know, Trapper, I mean, BJ is very different from Hawkeye. Yeah. Uh, Charles is very different from both of them. Yeah. And, of course, Potter is the career army guy. That's correct. And, of course, even, you know, Radar and Klinger, the two company clerks, can't be any different. Mm-hmm. And, then of course, you've got the career nurse in uh, Margaret. Yeah, who, who actually has a very nice character arc because she, she, does. she goes she becomes, from being a, a big... A big stick in the mud. Yeah, she's a, a Herodin at first. Yeah, yeah, very much so, and and a harpy at a times. Harpy, yes, even though she's you know has a hot and torrid thing going with Frank, which totally I don't understand. Anyway, but that's just the way it works. And yet she becomes, but she's also as and they said this in the movie, hot lips. You may be a pain in the ass, but you're a damn good nurse. Yes, and that's kind of what led. Leads you know, interesting to thing. You more. probably knew this, but uh, one of the things that um, uh, the actress. Um, Loretta uh, Swit. Loretta Swit, thank you. I, was, I had Swit, but I couldn't think of the first name. Uh, one of the things she hated about playing uh, Hot Lips was that she had to gain weight because 
the women in the 50s were, the ideal was a little bit heftier than they were in the 70s. Yeah. You remember, 70s is the era of Twiggy. Yeah, that's, that's right, yes. So Super she actually yeah. had to put on a little bit of weight to fill out for the era of her character. Be a little curvy and voluptuous. Yeah. Which, you know, it's like, my God, what did you look like before you had to put on a little bit of weight? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was only like 10 pounds, but on 10 pounds on a woman who is really in good shape is a lot of, that's a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She actually met her husband, uh, believe it or not, uh, in one of the later episodes of MASH. He was the uh, he was the guy, uh, the foreign guy that came in as an ambassador, and they have a little affair on the... Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that actually was, becomes her husband. She meets him, and they get married, and they, I believe, are still married to this day. Yeah, you can tell she was a career nurse because practically every guy who came in, she knew and had a relationship at one time. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, There was uh, Scully, the lieutenant, who, kept, who got busted down to a sergeant, and, yep. and you know, and... Uh, they had a relationship. Uh, well, Major Ham, I mean, General Hammond, you know, the very yes. first episode, you know, he uh, he talks about Major Houlihan. Yeah, okay, I'm coming. So, yeah, uh, so, yeah it, but all the characters had, had growth, although I don't know that Hawkeye really did. You know? That's a good, well, he, I mean, he became he more serious. Dog. Yeah, yeah. That's, there's some truth to that. Uh, but that's about it. I yeah. mean, Margaret has much more of an arc. Uh, BJ doesn't really have much of one other than he does have an infidelity uh, Great episode, time. actually. He has, yes, yes, uh, but he doesn't really change a whole lot. Charles matures and has very a much great so because he is he is a he's just a an arrogant ass. Yes, when he comes in, uh, and he's even a, Potter has a bit of an uh, of a decent arc, not a huge because you know, he's a career army guy. Yeah. he's going to be career army at the start and at the end, but he becomes far more uh, human and likable. Heart of heart of gold is what yeah. he comes up with. He's a uh, good good. He commander. becomes more of the grandpa. Uh, that he looks like, yeah, and, and is still a good commander. Yeah, yeah he uh, and of course Klinger, you know, he he matures from the trying to get out on a section eight to uh, occasionally wearing an actual uniform. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in, in the later yeah, in the later, later seasons, they, seasons, they throw away all that, yeah. all the rest of that, and they use, let use other other ways to have comedy for the character. Than right, the, right. His the dress. became Toledo. Where he was from, yeah. you know, which I well, love, and kind of as a scavenger, the kind of yes. the guy that's getting stuff for the unit. Yeah, which you know, the Kirby clerks would often do that. Yeah, uh, in fact, that was that was uh, his dream was going back to Toledo. Yes, yeah, that's what he yeah, talked about. And of course, that. the irony of him staying. That's right. Uh, but he ended up not going back to Toledo because he ended up at the same hospital with with Potter and um, or was a third person from the show in the, in the second. Uh, in the follow-up. Mulcahy. Mulcahy is there. Yes, they all ended up in the same place, but it was like in Missouri where, where Potter was from. Right, yes. So, so was... yeah, how, why he was not in Toledo other than the fact that, well, the show was set here. <laughs> yes. uh, they yeah. actually did uh, They actually did a uh, pilot, I did see it, because it did It did air, called Radar. Of, oh, yes. Of, with Gary Berghoff as, a, as Radar back home. I don't think he's in Ottumwa. Iowa. Uh, he's in another. Uh, he becomes a police, a, poli- a beat policeman, but it's kind of it's kind of comedy. That, yeah, that it, it didn't. Uh, it, it just didn't. I, it, I watched it because I said, okay, let's see what this is. Because I'm a big match fan. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. It and it was great. it was just aired once. Of course, now there was the other spinoff, Trapper John MD. That's correct. Which most people don't realize that uh, because because I want to say well because it was set in modern times, so it's Trapper. Twenty years later, right? Uh, and it, but it was it was serious. You know, it yes, was Prince Roberts. Uh, was it was it another medical show? Yes, what, it was another medical. Yeah, it was really one of the first modern of the medical shows. That's true. You're, you're, I'm glad you mentioned that. Maybe we should do something on those. That would be kind of fun. Yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, because that's a very yeah. good. Uh, well, we are running out of pop culture ideas. We may have to. Yeah. <laughs> well, medical shows can be a real drag because you're talking about preachy stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. Holy it is. cow! Yeah, and 
can be, yeah. And, you know, and formulaic. They're form- very yeah. formulaic. That's it doesn't this- take a lot for something like Grey's Anatomy to jump the shark. Oh, it, uh, well, that's another episode for another day, gentlemen. We need to wind this bad boy down. Any final thoughts? Here we are as an hour, at an hour. You're the captain, man. Take us out. All right, we're going, well, good. We're going back to history next time. Uh, we're going to go back to World War One. believe it or not. I know, Robert, you know, we, we've been a while, so you shouldn't be upset. I'm okay with that because, Justin. you know, we spent like the first year doing World War One. <laughs> so. uh, well, uh, we're, we're doing our, this is a th- th- this will be the third of our mini-series on, on important treaties that shape the world. Uh, and this is kind of the big one. This is the one, the Treaty of Versailles, that took place at the end of World War One, And yeah, set this up is the so big much dad, big yeah. dog of... Yeah, this is world-shaping events, and we're going to yeah. talk about that in a, and in an attempt uh, to and, make and, sense of a destroyed world. Exactly, and where they went and how that informs us today. So, be here, folks. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms, and leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.